Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you all? I pray you had an absolutely amazing, amazing Eid with your families and you're just kind of ready to continue taking on the year. And today is actually the last day of our toddler discipline series. I'm kind of sad to see it go. But today we are going to focus on four-year-olds and all the amazing things that they do. Yeah, that like pre-K-ish age, um, either they're going into school um, or starting already, you know. So inshallah ta'ala today we're going to talk about a lot with that and I I actually have a four-year-old myself so I'll be telling you a lot of kind of little personal things that I see happening with my daughter cannot wait to share with you this amazing age and exactly what you need to do to deal with these very um assertive little people that seem to kind of know exactly what they want and you have to have the right approach to deal with them because you can't deal with them the way you dealt with one-year-olds two-year-olds or three-year-olds so let's get started let's talk about four-year-olds and toddler discipline Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Welcome back to the Mindful Muslima Speaks podcast. I am your host, Mindful Muslima, and I am so excited to be back with you guys. And kind of a bit sad because today is the last day of our toddler um, discipline series. We're doing four-year-olds, and four-year-olds are amazing, but you're also going to see that they are quite a bit of work. And I have a four-year-old right now myself. Many of you know I have five children. Um, two are married with their own kids, and I have one that's like right before that. And then I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. So I know all about this stage, and I'm going to give you a bit of some insight and, like I said, some things in my life today with my four-year-old even. Um, what we're going to be talking about in this podcast is the overall mindset uh, that you should be having with a four-year-old right now, kind of what's new with them developmentally, because that's really important, really important. Enough of us do not understand what's going on with them biologically so that we can appropriately respond. We just do what we think our mom told us or what we think is right in the moment, but it has to be um, developmentally appropriate, right? And then so I'm going to help you with that. After that, by just giving you some discipline tips on like how to handle some really tough situations that tend to come up with um, toddlers in a really specific way, I'll give you specific examples of things you can do and say. And inshallah ta'ala, it will make your experience with them a bit easier. Um, before I do that, I did want to say one thing I was thinking about the other day. I was thinking about like what we do here and what I want everyone to understand that this podcast and the whole entire brand of Mindful Muslim is about. We want to make Islam easy. We want to show you, in fact, that Islam is easy. And it, it can't always feel easy for some people. Some people feel like, oh, you know, it's hard for me to wear hijab in this place, wherever they live, or to talk about Islam openly or pray openly, or, you know, just know how to handle situations because they are Muslim and other people aren't. And we get that. We totally get that. And our goal here is to help you understand that Islam is easy. It can be easy. And exactly how to do it with like super actionable, clear steps, not just talking about it in like some type of theory way, all right? So that's just what kind of we do here and what we love to do. We bridge a lot of Islamic um, understanding of the, the Quran and Sunnah into present-day modern life and help you to live your beautiful Muslim life, Muslim life with your family, but without compromising your identity, even though you constantly feel like you have to, but you really, really don't. We're going to help you with that. Now, today we're talking about our toddlers and we're finishing up the series. If you haven't already, go back and catch our introduction, how to deal with one-year-olds, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, and like I said, today's four-year-olds. So even though it's technically a four-part series, we are doing, the fifth part is actually the introduction. 
And the introduction was just an overview on the general way we need to approach parenting as Muslims. And I think you'll really enjoy that. So I've linked those all below for you so that you can still reach them and go back to them um, and start from the beginning if you haven't already caught those. All right. But we are going to dive into four-year-olds. And this year with your four-year-old, uh, you're going to notice that their attitude and their need for independence and responsibility is just a lot more. In previous years, your child may have been kind of more clingy, but this year you're going to notice your child will run off and want to handle problems themselves instead of asking for help. And the two key words I want you to put in the back of your mind for this growth stage are responsibility and flexibility. Responsibility on their part, they want a lot more of that. They're really great helpers, although sometimes we could feel like they're uh, in our way, but they're not. They're just so adorable and they really want to help if we just slow down and realize that. And then the other word, flexibility, that's for us. We need to be a lot more flexible here. And then you're like, well, flexible how? I mean, they're getting into everything. I'm just trying to like keep them safe, make them not hurt themselves. They're climbing things. They're jumping from things. They want to use like sharp knives like me. They want to, you know, do things that they're not really old enough to do yet. How could I possibly be more flexible? Half the time, I'm just trying to keep them alive. I got you. I understand. Uh, you know, safety will always be in the forefront. No worries. But at the same time, believe me, if we continue to push them in certain ways that we sometimes do, we're going to cause a lot of stress, a lot of drama, a lot of fights. And that's why sometimes parenting four-year-olds can feel tough. But we're going to make it a lot easier, inshallah. By the end of this podcast, you'll see you'll have the tools you need to understand your four-year-olds a lot better and to know exactly how to handle them in different situations. Um, before I just jump into the like exactly what's new with your four-year-old, super excited to talk about that. So you can really get more comfortable about like what they're able to do and where we should be pushing them and not pushing them. Um, I want to say something I'm super excited about. Um, I have a team, a lot of you might know, um, and we've been just churning and churning out resources for you guys. And one of the things we're super excited about is if you have listened to this entire series and, um, you know, really enjoyed it, but said, hey, you know, like, I wish I could have all that information in the moment I need it. Gosh, like I've listened to these podcasts, but to be able to memorize these things and use them in the moment with my child, that seems like I don't know how I'm going to do that. Well, we totally understand that because we are moms as well. So what we've done for you is we've taken all the information. We've almost like condensed it like cliff notes and put it into like a mini ebook. And it's extremely accessible and easy to use where you could just like flip to the age of your child and just have like kind of like the cliff notes right there of exactly what you're supposed to do. Like what are they able to do at that age and what do you need to do to help them? and how to discipline them very specifically. Super excited about that. So anybody who is a Thrive Muslima um, member in the community gets access to that. That will be in our vault. So look for it there. If you're already um, signed up, you're definitely going to get access to that completely for free. And so many other things on our podcast, we're doing them just like that as well. We're going back to everything. and We're creating the resources that you need to physically in your hand, or we have videos explaining and showing and pointing to make it super easy. So I'm very, very excited. So if you um, aren't already a member, you can see the link down there. But I mean, for the people who are, I just want them to get excited because that is going to be in there. So let's talk about four-year-olds and what's new with them. Now, your child might be even more energetic um, and I know you're like, how could that be possible? They're super energetic at three. Four-year-olds are going to get more. Yeah, because they want to – you can understand like the older they get and the more they understand they can do more things, 
they're going to want to do more things. They're going to want to be more independent. So they're going to try to show you that because they know they could use their physical skills so much better. Their cognitive readiness, this is a big one in this age. At three, you notice a shift, but like in four, it's so much bigger. They're really, really ready to learn. Now I'm going to tell you something personal about that. Um, you know, I told many of you guys know I'm an educator. Um, for um, about 20 years in the U.S. and overseas. And when in the U.S., what happens is when a child turns four, they go into pre-K, right? And um, inshallah ta'ala, you know, we'll talk more about as, as we go in and I have all these workshops, like I said, in the Thrive Muslim community, I'm doing a lot of workshops on teaching your children, even with the homeschooling situations. Some of us want to do homeschooling right now with COVID and some of us don't, and we get that. And so we'll have resources for both, inshallah ta'ala. But what I want to tell you today is that um, four-year-olds are often in the U.S. They're just told to use worksheets and dittos a lot of times. There used to be a lot more like playtime, nap time, interactive time. But I'm working in the schools or when I used to work in the schools, I've since retired from that. Um, you will see a lot of sitting down at a desk and writing and drawing and all this stuff like that and letters and writing words and a lot of workbook stuff. And that's not really, I don't want to say go against what's currently happening, but it's really not appropriate for the developmental stage of four-year-olds. They need a lot of hands-on playful exploration with concrete materials and less worksheet ended up. And it's funny because when I was working overseas in uh, Dubai, a lot of you guys know I worked there and I was training teachers and things like that. There was a mix. I was, I was working in a, a school that was an Islamic school and it was um, U.S. curriculum and there were teachers there from all over the world, right? So there was this one teacher from the U.K. and I mean a lot of the teachers from the U.K. actually, um, but this one in particular, I became really good friends with her and she was like, what is up with the worksheets and dittos for the pre-K and the kindergarten kids? I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you have the kids, not me, like the curriculum. She's like, it has the kids sitting all the time at the desk and just doing, you know, desk work and dittos and stuff. And that's kind of like the way the common core works. And so many kids, by the way, in the U.S. are getting diagnosed with ADHD and all these other things because people are like, Oh, they just can't sit. Well, guess what? They're not supposed to sit for more than 10, 20 minutes at a time. And that's even lucky at four years old because they're just not equipped for that. And that's, they're meant to be doers and touchers and squeezing things and spilling things and picking things up. That's just what they're meant to do. So in the UK, the, the teacher was saying to me, she, my friend, she was like, she's like, I was like, well, what do you do in the UK? And she's like, well, if, if we want to learn vocabulary in the UK, we'll play with them. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, if you want to do maths, we'll play with them. And I was like, interesting, tell me more. And so I was telling her what we do in the U.S. Maybe we'll have them match letters, like initial sound, letter sound with pictures and, you know, draw words and trace words. And she's like, nah. She's like, we might do something like that. But for the most part, we're playing and talking and socializing. For example, if we want to do, I'm um, teaching the words for hair, like hair and hair salon, stuff like that, like curly straight, plaited. She's like, we'll play hair salon. And that's that. And if you want to teach them, um, you know, counting and numbers and things with money and stuff like that, we'll play shop. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so funny because in the U.S. we are so moving away from that. Now, many of you have heard me talk about Montessori and I'm going to connect this with your child right now. Um, many of you heard me talk about Montessori a lot because it's very, very hands-on. It's very easy to go on Instagram and see a ton of Instagrammers who do Montessori stuff. And I'm really happy to say a lot of Islamic um, teachers or women are now showing us more hands-on Montessori stuff. And in fact, we're actually in the workshops that we have on Thrive Muslim are going to have a lot of Montessori teacher guests coming on and showing you different things, like showing you 
how to teach your child numbers or reading and things like that. And then also showing you, I have one particular sister that will come on and chill at the island and help you how to create a calming corner in your house to kind of help with diffusing discipline issues, especially for toddlers or any kids who are just anything from maybe like zero to 10, you can even use this. So really excited about these things. And so these are really helpful. Four-year-olds should be doing a lot more hands-on things. And um, I'll be doing workshops and things in the future where I'll show you that um, kind of like face-to-face, -face, right? So creative play in this um, age takes center stage. Your kid's going to want a lot of like dreaming up all the possibilities of stuff, even though like they pretty much can tell like that stuff's not possible. They still want to do it. They still want to like ride unicorns into the sunset and like, you know, like think they can fly and like, you know, even though they know they technically kind of can't, they're pretty sure they're just like, no, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, it's kind of cute. So that's very, very, um, it's just like, you know, keep it playful with them. They're much more interested in problem solving and being parts of things. Now, when I talk about the discipline aspect of things, you're going to hear how that is going to come into play because that is something developmentally that they feel the need to do to solve problems on their own. They don't want your help as much. They want to do it on their own. And there's a good and a bad with that, right? Like the, the bad is like you – like like there was this one – Instagram post one time, this mom, it was the funniest thing. Now she did like a, I don't know, like a mini video. The kid had to go to school and the kid's like, no, I'm going to put my jacket on, on my own. And they could not get the zipper up. And the mom was like, can I, can I just help you for a second? And the kid's like, no, I'm going to do it on my own. It's school. I'm in pre-K now. And she's like, oh, oh, oh. And they just like, 20 minutes later, they cannot get the zipper. <laughs> She's just like, oh my gosh, we just have to go to school. So you're going to notice they're going to want to do that type of stuff. So I'm going to help you with how to be flexible and help them to like move through those moments without making it as stressful. Um, they're going to really appreciate boundaries. So you're going to like that. They're not going to understand why you're setting the rules. Don't expect some kind of like deep you know, understanding of like why I can't touch the fire. But they will understand that their boundary is a lot more than when they were three. Their tantrums are going to be a lot more reasonable. Didn't say they weren't going to happen, but they're going to be a lot more reasonable. And subhanAllah, um, as you guys know, also in our vault, um, we have like a whole thing on how to handle toddler tantrums um, in three easy steps. So you're going to catch that in the Vault and Thrive Muslim as well. And I'm just saying this for people who are listening. I'll drop lines here and there because some people might not realize those things are in there even though we have them labeled because, you know, we're busy moms and stuff. So just throwing it out there. Um, the other thing is communication at this age, they have a strong need to be part of decision making. Now, for a lot of us old school people like or like Muslims that were like raised from back home, that's going to seem like what kids being part of decision making whatever. I tell them what to do and they follow. This is my house. And you know what? This is the thing. We know a lot more now than we did before about, you know, how children are developmentally. We understand that that is not necessarily going to work in our favor um, with four-year-olds and three-year-olds. So we, I mean, with four-year-olds even more. Um, so just take a listen when I talk about the specific stuff about discipline. I'll give you some specific examples of what you can do instead. And what you're going to realize is we're not moving away from taking control away from the parent. What we're moving more into is teaching your child how to be a functional adult who can problem solve and actually be a positive Muslim and a, a positive civilian in society. And isn't that what we want? We want our children to be um, really great Muslims. Well, part of that is teaching them how to think, how to think for themselves, how to think in a group situation. All of these things are teaching moments. You're going to see it, even though they might seem like conflicts, resolution only, right? So let's dive really quick into how we can help you to talk about getting your child to actually listen to you and do what you need them to do. 
So four-year-olds are so much fun. And since your child feels so much more grown up, you're used like the, the distract and redirect technique that I taught you from one to three pretty much no longer works. That whole like, oh my gosh, you know, you want a cookie right now? Look over there. There's a bird. Like that whole like distract and redirect. It does not work anymore. They understand permanence so much better. They, they can't be distracted like that. So they, they want to be taken seriously and share in their responsibility. And, you know, to gain their cooperation, um, we're going to have to kind of let them help us solve the problem as opposed to solving it for them. And that's actually a really cool thing, right? To teach them how to be problem solvers. In the moment, it can feel like, oh, it's just so much work. But the truth is, this is actually a beautiful time where you're going to teach your child how to be a good Muslim. And that's really, really great. Resist the urge to use rewards and threats, though. Um, I will say that. A more effective technique is to have logical consequences. We'll talk more and more about that as we get on here. Um, create family policy. So this is really great. You have this like autonomous um, kind of situation where you're going to be creating family rules and guidelines and your child can follow them so much better. It's actually really nice. Um, but this means everybody should be on the same page. Yeah, that's a really hard one for a lot of women. A lot of times they tell their children, no, they can't. And their husbands are like, yeah, you can. And then you, you and your husband like go at it, right? <laughs> About like, I told him, why did you say that? And this is what I want to say is before you create these amazing family policies that all the kids are going to follow, privately with your husband, you have to talk together about what you agree on and privately together you have to stick to those things and try not to fight in front of the kids about it because when you guys look divided ooh, looks like a lot of weak spots for them to break into not going to make your parenting easy so what I do want to say is try to get that um, squared away with your husband um, I'm actually in the middle of making um, a lot uh, like a mini course for parenting and stuff as well I'll definitely be doing some workshops like I said inside of the Thrive Muslim space but about this and how to deal with your spouse and who's listening and who's not but I want to tell you it's really really important here um, but yeah after you do that creating family policies and having these rules you can even put them on the wall okay we decided on these two rules we're going to follow up with them let me give you a perfect example before I just move on um, so this can be more helpful for you in a specific way Let's pretend your daughter gets a new bike, okay? And um, you're going to be in your little family meeting. You call a little meeting. Oh, my gosh, we're so excited. Um, uh, Sada got a new bike. Woohoo! You know, we feel great. We want to hear from her how she feels about it. And I would like for us to think about how we can help her enjoy her gift safely. So why did I do that? This is the perfect way of saying, instead of going, Sarah, this is your new bike. You better not be riding it near the street. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to take it away. That's crazy. No, no, no. If you do that, da, da, da. Like us making this experience negative is what's going to start to create problems, right? So instead, we're going to frame it in a way where we're like, hey, let's help her together so she feels that family, you know, to, to use this gift safely. Then you're going to discuss together, decide on two main rules. Because remember, at four-year-olds at this age, they like to be part of the rules. Even though you feel like, who are they? They're only four. No. Believe me, the way you get a four-year-old to listen and to follow along is to make them feel like they're part of the decision. If you want to skip this part, be my guest. <laughs> be my guest. See how it works out for you. I'm dead serious. I've had other children and this is my fifth one. I would suggest just from parenting 20-something years, to please try to give them choices. I'm being very, very serious about this. So um, 
Okay, and then once they decide, let's pick up like two main rules for the bike for safety. Then you're just gonna announce it to everybody. Okay, we decided on these two rules and keep, remember the two rules? Every time something happens, remember those rules that we decided on together. When they feel like they're part of the process, they're gonna fight you a lot less. That's an overarching statement that's gonna work throughout every discipline situation. Another cool thing I like about four-year-olds is you can do heart-to-heart discussions. Yeah. And when your kid starts crying or your your child is really, really upset, you can start to look for some underlying reasons for their behavior because they can verbalize so much better and help them resolve things. Another thing that's really helpful in the discipline is... um, your kids love when you when they love to be helpful love it even at three-year-olds they love to be helpful um and you expressing gratitude is going to get them to help you in times when you're not getting along with them because they kind of remember that they remember that and a child who is um has a special job and is given like oh my gosh you know we need you to set the table every night it's your special job even though you don't want them in your way you just want to put the place down if they have this job they feel so excited they're going to feel like i help mommy they're they're building their self-esteem and they're less likely to be doing something bad while you are trying to set the table right so try to give them these little jobs that make them feel good about themselves that's really important the prophet peace be upon him he would build up the self-esteem of self-esteem of children and i'm really excited actually because we have an entire challenge that i'm be doing with women on how to build up your children the way the prophet built up the self-esteem of his children and a lot of us we don't know about the details of the prophet peace be upon him i'm actually going to do an entire podcast in um where i'm going to talk about that a bit more but yeah, it's definitely going to be an experience that I'm going to go through with women privately in that group. So I'm really, really um, excited for us all to explore that. But yeah, expressing gratitude is so important. Fears are another, um, just the last couple things. Fears is really, really something that comes up. Your kid all of a sudden might get really fixated on it being really scary or really dark or, you know, um, bugs. All you really need to do, and this is all we can do and it's just going to take time. Is, is give them reassurance and honesty. Don't lie about things. If things are scary, you just talk them through it. This is, again, amazing, amazing opportunities for teaching life skills at this age. For example, death. So my daughter the other day, she started talking to me about how upset she was that her grandfather had passed away. And he passed away very recently, my husband's father. And, um, and she's like, we just took a picture together. How is he gone? And she just couldn't. She's like, what about you and daddy? Are you going to be gone? Are you going to leave me? And that's actually really, really common for four-year-olds. So if you get into the death conversation with them, it can be really, really uncomfortable. And, you know, you don't really know what to say, you know. And But you got to be really gingerly, like deal with it gingerly. Like listen to their worries and just be ready to absorb their grief as they express it. And it's a really great time to teach them about life and death in Islam in super basic ways. Nothing deep, okay? Just that like death is part of the cycle of life and then that, you know, they will be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and trusting Allah and Allah loves us and alhamdulillah and you know, you're going to see them soon and all that great stuff, right? Um, non-compliance. So let me tell you something, um, the, the shift in four-year-olds, which I think is really, really important. So before when your one, two, or three-year-old was bad, you can kind of just like scoop them up and run away, right? Take them into the corner. Now it's hard because your four-year-olds are like not that light anymore and you got other things going on, right? So like my four-year-old is particularly like, she's a bit big boned, right? So for me, it's like, I I can't. And she's pretty strong too. Like I have to say, um, you know, bless her. But um, your, child's, your child is no longer like testing um your boundaries just for the sake of testing them they're 
how do I say this? They, they're going to test you more. <laughs> I, mean, I know it doesn't feel like it's possible they could test you more right now, but they are. So we're going to have to do this thing that my mom taught me when I was little, which is called pick your battles. If you fight them about everything, you're going to get really tired. You're going to get really stressed out. Pick your battles. For example, if your child's like adamant on wearing this one shirt she had. Like my daughter has this thing right now where she has just seen so many unicorns outside. She wants to do unicorn things. And you know, there's like magic. There's cartoons and images. And you're like, eh. And like, you know, like you have to, you have to first decide for yourself what are the rules going to be in your house. In every Islamic house, everybody has these, these feelings. So I suggest you always find the Islamic ruling on it and then you just follow it, period, right? But the point is, like, your kid is just going to go at you for certain things that you're just like, so you're going to have to learn to pick your battles. You're going to have to learn where it lies. Like, I never forsake Islamic rulings for the sake of, like, not upsetting my toddler. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, like, you're just going to understand that have these things that are set in stone and you don't budge on them, but then have these things that are a little bit like, I want the pink ice cream instead of the blue ice cream, like whatever, and just be like, fine, whatever, you know? So at the end of the day, you don't do it as like you gave in and you're letting them do whatever they want. Understand here, we're talking about balance. I want you to understand that you just have to understand they're going to test you constantly. And so you just have to be a bit more flexible. I mentioned the word flexible was going to come up. You have to learn where those boundaries are for yourself. It's really hard for me. I know women call me up all the time. They want to do private chatting with me and I do that. And I do help them a lot. But I do often help them instead of telling them, help them work through and help them realize what they want. Okay. And by the way, if you guys want those, I do have discovery calls. I'll put the link below. But like so many things in parenting end up being like what you need to decide for yourself. We just have to take the time to think about it. Okay, last um, one or two that I'll mention and that's it is ooh, power struggles. Hmm. All right. So lying can be a really big thing in childhood. And for Islamic parents, for Muslim parents, it can be really hard because we're taught that lying is so haram, right? So the worst thing we could do is be like, call our child a name. I would never suggest if your child lies to call them a liar, okay? It's just not going to work for their self-esteem. It is going to work against you in the end. If you identify them as a liar, liar, you're a liar, you're always lying, and then they start to believe they're a liar, guess what they're going to do? They're going to be liars even better, right? Because that's what mom told me I am. That's what dad told me I am. My brother was making fun of me because mommy told me I was a liar and then he started calling me a liar. So I guess I'm a liar. What do liars do? Hmm, they lie. Oh, yeah, so I'll start doing some more of that. Okay, so that doesn't work for you in your favor. So instead of doing that, you know, we have to understand that first of all, it's natural, it's normal, it's not personal. They're testing like what they can do with words and how can it affect their situation. So how do we handle a lie? Instead of asking, let me give you a perfect example, okay? of a common thing that kids will do draw on the wall right well not my house because I'm, I'm dead serious I hide every pencil and crayon until it's time to do stuff and you know in Montessori some people will say leave all the pencils and crayons out in places they can reach I'm gonna be dead honest nope I don't do that for that reason my walls stay really nice in my house I hate it's like a pet peeve I don't like drawing on the walls and I don't think any mom likes drawing on the walls but my, my point is a lot of people have it in their houses and I just don't like it that's just me if you like it, go ahead. But I don't want to keep painting the wall and cleaning the wall because it gives me so much more work to do because I don't want the drawings there, right? So we talk about where it's appropriate place to draw and we do whatever. But the point is this, right? Let's pretend the lying, your kid lies about they didn't draw on the wall, but you know they did, okay? So this is what the typical thing we would do. 
oh my gosh, why'd you draw in the, draw on the wall? Then what are they going to do? We totally set them up. They're going to be like, no, I didn't. It wasn't me, right? So instead, we're going to do, we're going to avoid that. We're going to do this instead, a totally different way. Let me tell you what it's going to sound like. Instead of like, why did you do this? And then they're going to lie. Watch this. Instead of asking who drew on the wall or why, because you know it was them, say, just point out the obvious. There is a crayon drawing on the wall. I know that sounds crazy. You're like, duh, <laughs> there's a drawing on the wall. But you're just going to be like, there's a drawing on the wall. Or you drew on the wall. Now they might go, no, I didn't. But this is only because you might have trained them to do who did. And that just like is going to be a gut reflex. So just be prepared. If you now switch from why did you to you drew on the wall, they're going to naturally go into defense mode. But that just takes time to get out of. So let's try. There's a drawing on the wall. Now get to the root of the problem. Maybe they just need a piece of paper. You know, some kids, they just want to draw on something. That's totally normal. So maybe they just need a piece of paper. So what you're going to say next is there's a drawing on the wall. Paper is for drawing. Crayons can damage the wall. From now on, we need to use paper. Then you help them, then you help them to clean the wall together. You are going to clean the wall with them. Why? It's not my fault. They didn't, I didn't do it. They did it. They should need to learn a lesson. No, at this age, they're not really ready for that yet. But you're going to show them this caring responsibility and slowly you're going to make it their problem alone. But right now, as we're teaching, we're facilitating. I'm teaching you how to be a teacher here. Okay. You have to do it. And so after they, after you say, hey, you drew on the wall, just don't go into the, the guilt of it. See, most parents, that's where they would go in on kids, right? They'd be like, you did this. This is inappropriate. Muslims don't do that. Muslims listen to their parents. Did okay, no. This is four-year-olds. Four-year-olds can't handle that. I'm just trying to help you out. This is not going to work for us in the end. This is just going to make them want to lie more so they don't have to hear us say that whole speech next time, right? So what we're going to do instead is we're just going to jump straight to, like, how can we fix this? So papers for drawing. We're going to use paper. Um, let, let, let's clean this together. And um, the last thing you're going to do, which is the part that kind of fixes it, is have that heart-to-heart -heart discussion. That's great. With two- and three-year-olds, you really can't have such a heart-to-heart -heart discussion. You could pretend you are having one with them, but it's mostly you having the discussion. But with four-year-olds, it's really cool. You know, when you're done helping them, you can say, hey, why are you worried when I spoke to you about the crane on the wall? Were you worried I'd be mad? What do you think would happen if I found out? Like, let's pretend if you noticed they were tense when you were talking to them, right? And they're like, yeah, I thought you weren't going to let me watch TV anymore. Or I thought you weren't going to let me play with my friends. Or I thought, you know, like, okay, listen, mommy loves you, but there's these things that we have to do, da-da-da. You know, and then if you want to set a logical consequence at this time, you know, next time if I find drawing on the wall, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have, you know, but make the consequence, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, make the consequence always match the punishment. For example... If your child takes um, a toy and it whacks, he whacks his brother or sister in the head with the toy, don't say, now you're losing TV. It doesn't work like that. See, that is not an association that didn't teach them something. Now they're just upset thinking that you ruined their life, you took TV away. They're not even focusing on the fact that they shouldn't hit people. It just doesn't, they don't make the correlation at this age. We have to make it much closer to home. So you hit someone with a toy you lose the toy. You see how like the punishment or the discipline or whatever you want to, how you want to phrase it is directly related to the action. So that's the last thing I want to say in discipline is make sure, ask yourself, how is this related to the thing they did? If it's not directly related, then do not 
make that the consequence, make something else. Well, hey, you know, they don't like anything else. They only like their their PlayStation. And not that I would ever give a four-year-old a PlayStation. Honestly, we don't use PlayStations at all in my house. I don't use Xboxes. I don't use anything. It's not because I'm against them and I think they're evil. It's just that as an educator, I've seen such damage, honestly, to children and their um, they're learning due to a lot of devices and things like this. So I, when you're in the classroom and you've taught children who are big users of these things, because a lot of times parents, I will just end on this. They don't, they don't put boundaries as much as they think they do around timing of how long kids use devices. And so there is a lot of, there are a lot of studies that show that it just really, really makes it difficult for children to learn. Then their kids are having trouble in school. Now you have two problems. They never want to get off a device and they're doing poorly in school. There's a direct correlation in a sense. So I just, for me, I, I don't put them in my house, but the point is, um, definitely, definitely having these, you know, these conversations with our kids at four years old, there's such great conversations that we can have and such amazing things we can do, um, in ways that we couldn't in all the other years, but be ready for some, um, want, desire for more responsibility and some need for flexibility in your parenting because you are going to be tested, but in a really beautiful way. You're going to have beautiful, beautiful connection this year with your children in deeper ways that you haven't before because you can have amazing conversations. So I really want you to also embrace and enjoy this age. All right. I look forward to talking to so many of you guys. And if you haven't already, um, you know, join us on any social media platform we're on. We're on Instagram. We have a Facebook group. Um, we have Thrive Muslima. We have courses. We have so many things. DM me anytime on Instagram at mindful muslima. All right. Love talking to you guys. We are going to, in the next couple weeks, get into some really interesting things about identity for ourselves with hijab and in-laws and a whole bunch of stuff. So super excited to talk to you. Talk to you in the next podcast. Assalamu alaikum, rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.